0: talks to FNC reporter J.D. Duggan. In his new position, Perrette's tasked with coordinating services across the company's portfolio. He says Aon has some innovative projects in the pipeline, and he's excited to help improve the systems that assist homeless people throughout the area.
1: All right, today we have Tyler Perrette. He's the new vice president of resident services at Aon. Uh, before Aon, he worked in Tulsa, Oklahoma as director of outreach and engagement for housing solutions. Hey, Tyler. Thanks for being here. First, can you tell me a bit about your new role?
2: Yeah, absolutely, JD. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, so the the role that I'm in at Aon, uh, it's it's a role that's been at the organization for some time. Uh, But my my job is really to coordinate service delivery across all of Aon's portfolio. Um, So Aon has about 60 properties spread across the Twin Cities metro area, and What I do is partner with existing service providers. So those are uh, partner agencies like Simpson, RS Eden, YMCA to deliver supportive housing services at some of our units that have dedicated supportive supportive housing uh, services attached to them. And then I also manage an internal team that is focused on delivering kind of light touch case management to folks that might be housing unstable in uh, properties with uh, specifically uh, units dedicated to 30% AMI or 50% AMI, things like that.
1: Sure. When When you say housing services or support services, that's yeah, things like uh, career training and, and stuff like that?
2: Could be. Yeah. A lot of what our internal team does is connecting people to services that already exist in the community. Uh, so a lot of times, uh, depending on uh, what specific need people have, uh, there's a lot of services available that they might not be aware of. So one of the things that our team does is just kind of keep an internal log of what services are active, what's working well, you know who's who's active in which parts of the of the metro area, and then make sure to connect people to those right services that seem like a really good fit for them at the time.
1: Yeah, um, and you've been in this role for for a bit now. Um, tell me a bit about some of your experience before this, uh, what you were doing in Oklahoma and things like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So in in Oklahoma, I worked for the lead agency for Tulsa's continuum of care um, folks that are familiar with work around homelessness know that HUD kind of organizes homeless services funding around continuums of care nationwide in the twin cities, metro area, those continuums of care are led by primarily County governments uh, in Oklahoma. It's a little bit different. Our, our continuum of care in Tulsa was led by a nonprofit that I worked for uh, and helped manage all of their um, service delivery to unsheltered homeless populations, as well as a lot of our community engagement pieces as well, uh, trying to involve the community at large in being part of the solution to end homelessness in Tulsa. Sure.
1: How would you say that experience is uh, informing you in this new position?
2: Yeah, I I think by and large, the populations are really similar, right? Um, Folks that are in desperate need of affordable housing oftentimes are, are existing in the margins and... Uh, have had experiences with homelessness or close to experiences with homelessness. So I think that uh, when when we look at programming with the margins in mind and making sure that people aren't falling through the gaps, uh, really, we're talking about that population, that population that is at high risk for homelessness. So I think that a lot of the programming that I'm looking at bringing to our portfolio at Aon uh, is consistent with programming that I've been familiar with and roles in serving populations that have experienced homelessness. Sure. Uh,
1: can you speak on any of that? I'm wondering if like, you know, I can't imagine it's Aon doing the tabling out at encampments, things like that. But is it is it more about forming those relationships with counties or or what? Yeah. Can you speak on that a bit?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's about forming relationships with county governments and other agencies that are active in continuums of care and really thinking from a systems level, how to remove barriers into permanent housing. Um, I think that was, that was something I focused a lot on in Tulsa is how to kind of strip away some of the, the uh, hurdles that are put in place uh, for people that are out on the street trying to find an apartment or find a place to live, and really think about how to streamline that more effectively so that we're matching people with available units as quickly as possible and minimizing the amount of trauma that people experience in an experience of homelessness. Um, sure. Really kind of expediting that process to get a set of keys and move into a unit.
1: What would you say are some of those main hurdles?
2: Yeah, I, I think you know one of the biggest ones that I've seen is just that systems don't always talk well with each other. Uh, I think people talk well with each other, and and people are part of systems. So if you can kind of strip away uh, some of the titles and 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 different groups, and kind of get into a room and think creatively about how to meet the need that we're all trying to to see, which is you know people match to units, units full people off of the street and into housing opportunities, I think then you can start to really think creatively about, you know, which of these systems are working well and efficiently, and then where are the breakdowns in communication where the systems aren't talking well with each other, uh, or stuff is getting lost in transition, and and how do we start to solve for some of those things? So those are conversations I've already been a part of um, with some Continuums of Care uh, locally, as well as uh, Minnesota Housing and others. Sure.
1: Does Ann take people, take isn't the right word, but um, are there residents in Ann facilities that come straight from unsheltered homelessness or is there usually something in between?
2: Yeah, it's it's both and. So we have some units that are dedicated for folks that are transitioning out of long-term homelessness, Mm -hmm. um, but we also have market rate units and and we've got the full spectrum in between, uh, 30% AMI, 60% AMI. So I I think that uh, really when we look at resident services from an Aon perspective, it has to be a pretty, pretty broad net. Uh, because we're serving people that, you know, have really high needs, that are transitioning out of homelessness and sometimes are coming with uh dedicated service. Um, but we also are are serving residents that, you know, are, are market rate units and and living in great parts of town. So I, I think that uh yeah, we we've got the full gambit and and we've got to design programming that fit that broad swath.
1: Yeah. What are some maybe initiatives or projects that you've led or been a part of during your work in Oklahoma?
2: Yeah, um, I'm thinking back now. So it's been <laughs> sure, six right. months since I've been in Minnesota. Uh, this is the coldest it's been since I've been here. So I'm I'm not ready for the winter yet. Uh, it's going to yeah. be exciting. Yeah. Um, so Oklahoma, I I the the most recent initiative I was part of uh, was with the local continuum of care. I built out kind of a dedicated street outreach program uh, that was designed into the continuum of care to kind of really expedite the process from uh, engagement with the local continuum of care into permanent housing. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, removing a lot of the barriers that were put in place about people having to go to X agency, then go to Y agency, and then Y agency has to call X agency, and, and a lot of things get lost in that shuffle. So, thinking about how to design those systems in a way that streamlines that process for the end user, instead of requiring the end user to juggle all of those balls themselves.
1: Right. Are there kind of key initiatives that you've seen that have been successful at reducing homelessness or even just assisting people who are experiencing homelessness? Are there things that you've maybe learned that could come here that would help with that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that how we think about housing in general, uh, is is pretty crucial to the success of initiatives in regards to ending homelessness. Um, there are a lot of models nationally that kind of center community as as this model that is effective for people transitioning out of out of homelessness or or just looking for affordable housing in general. Um, I think the you know the the phrase is simple but true. We all do better when we all do better. And when we can see that our neighbor is struggling or when, when we're part of a community and we know that like, hey, so-and-so is hitting hard times, we should you know, reach out and see if we can do something, um, that tends to be pretty effective. Um, and, and when people know their neighbors, they tend to be able to ask for help uh, and they're not just suffering in silence. And so I think that when we look to models to effectively house uh, individuals that are in need of affordable housing... We we should look to models that kind of center that community and and provide opportunities for people to get to know each other in the neighborhoods that they exist.
1: Yeah. Um, and I know you're still getting a lay of the land, but are you seeing those efforts happen here? I, I know homelessness has been talked about a lot in the Twin Cities, um, probably for the last three years more more than ever. Um, yeah. are you are you seeing these efforts or these conversations backed up by by action?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. And I think. You know, it's not it's not a monolith. Like it, it, happens in different pockets in different ways. So there's not this, you know, clean prescribed program that everybody rolls out that increases quote community engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, each community is specific. There's culturally specific communities that have culturally specific models to kind of increase community involvement, and we see that at Aon Properties too, uh, where we have different properties with different co- concentrations of of different demographics of folks. So I think the key is focusing on those communities individually and listening to the the residents in those communities about what it is that they need, what it is that they're asking for to increase community engagement, and then being able to provide that programmatically or finding people in the community uh, that can provide that as well.
1: Do you know what that looks like? Some of these maybe culturally specific efforts. I'm thinking, um, you know, native homelessness becomes uh, top of mind, um, uh-huh. And the disparities are really bad in the native community. Do you know like what things are done that would maybe be different than um, another community?
2: you know I, I don't necessarily know for for the Twin Cities area. I can speak yeah. to examples uh, in in Tulsa that we saw were yeah. effective I'd, I'd be curious, yeah yeah, so so there were a couple outreach groups that were native specific yeah. um, and and really focused on that community and built trust in a way that was difficult for other outreach teams. and so I think you know that the same same rule applies, I think that you you find folks that that are trusted and, and responsible parties in those communities uh, and and then equip them to advocate into those systems. Um, and, and really that's what we're looking for at Aon over the next few years is not just how do we build out an internal team that's reflective of the population that exists in our properties um, and the residents that we serve, but also how do we partner with trusted community partners, uh, that already know and and have identified the needs of those communities and are trying to serve them effectively. Sure.
1: Do you think there's, uh, you know, like a, a couple of specific things that really? How do I ask this? I mean, I, I hear people talk about, um, you know, government housing would be the key to reducing homelessness or better mental health outreach. What are what are your thoughts on on these very specific places where where? We should invest to to improve this issue.
2: Yeah, I, I think this is definitely something I've given a lot of thought to because I I was part of an organization that was kind of the front end of that for a long time. That street outreach, connecting people with services, getting them keys to an apartment, moving them into housing, and I think that part uh, is underinvested in. To be clear, we need a lot more of that, uh, especially if you're going to decrease the amount of unsheltered homelessness in a community. It just you have to have those folks that are on the ground. Building those relationships, building those bonds of trust to be able to move people out of an unsheltered environment into somewhere safe. Um, But I think the other piece that gets overlooked a lot, especially in a housing first environment, which I think there's a lot of positive things we can say about housing first, but it's not housing only. Uh, It's not just keys. You have to provide opportunities for that back end support once somebody moves into that apartment. Uh, Because for better or worse, Moving into a new apartment, especially transitioning into a new apartment from an experience of homelessness, is is a dramatic shift and can at times be its own version of trauma, uh, where you're being removed from a network where you felt supported. You might be being removed from a community or a neighborhood where you felt safe, and so providing opportunities, uh, and by opportunities, I mean like funding opportunities from the state and federal level for those. Uh, dedicated supports on the back end is really important. And what's what's notable about Minnesota is there's programs that I've experienced here that did not exist in Oklahoma. So the Housing Supports Program, which is formerly GRH, uh, that program just doesn't exist in Oklahoma. So I was really excited and have been excited to learn more about that and kind of how it works. But I think there's there's other opportunities in that space where we can provide dedicated support services to people living in apartments at 30% AMI or especially folks transitioning out of homelessness uh, that that really uh, are going to increase the level of success that we see in those housing placements. Um, You know, a a discouraging element is kind of this supplanting of funding with Medicaid reimbursement as as part of housing stabilization. I think the thought there is good, um, but I think, you know, that, that doesn't make up for the fact that we really need to increase funding in that capacity.
1: Sure. Are there any Aon projects that you could point to that are really maybe innovative or exemplary of this uh, maybe changing approaches to how we respond to homelessness?
2: Yeah, I, I think there's a couple in our pipeline. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to talk about those yet. Uh, That's fair. <laughs> still still uh, walking that line carefully. Right. Um, but i so i I would be excited to talk about those maybe on an, a future show. Sure um, All right. But I think you know some of the partnerships that we've got right now are are really effective. I'm I'm thinking of uh, our new property, Sound on Seventy Six. We've got a partnership with Haven Housing, uh, where there are a few units there that have uh, individuals. I'm not I'm not sure if those are dedicated LTH or just 30% AMI, but there's some dedicated funding services attached to those units, and they're working really well. Um, I think some of the other uh, success points that I can draw from we've kind of recently had a conversation with Minnesota Housing where we redesigned uh, and, and really just kind of on our end, redesigned uh, the population that we were serving at a very specific apartment complex um, to really open the door for folks that were transitioning out of more intensive supportive services. And I think that's going to really change the um, level of success that we're seeing with folks in those placements as well. So I think... You know it it's not so much designing a program from the from the outset and and expecting it to be operating really effectively, but it's creating programs that can be flexible and and be able to change uh, kind of midstream to be able to accommodate what you're seeing uh, in regards to the success of the stability of the residents. because um, yeah. I mean, I think from from a development perspective, you only know so much at the front end. And, but once you start getting residents into those apartments and seeing how successful they are, or how not successful they are, I think then that's an opportunity to redesign uh, kind of what that mix is so that we're seeing really stable um, placements for, for residents that are transitioning out of whatever environment they're tr- transitioning from.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Tyler, I don't think I have any other questions. Is there anything you want to add that I didn't ask about?
2: No, I I don't think so. I, I think I've I've just been really excited to be a part of the housing community in Minnesota. Uh, it seems like a really, really uh, great and kind of cutting edge place to be. There's a lot of things that people are trying and and it's just a really innovative space. So I'm I'm really happy about the move and excited to continue to be a part of the community.
1: Awesome. Good luck with the uh, the winter. Thanks so much yeah. for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, JD. Take yeah. okay. it.